0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Recently, as I pulled out of my parking space in the church alley, I turned on NPR just in time to hear someone say, This is a manifesto to reclaim time as something other than a raw ingredient to be converted into productivity. I turned up the radio. The speaker was Sheila Liming, an Edith Wharton scholar, writing professor, professional bagpipe player, devoted socializer, and author of this year's Hanging Out, The Radical Power of Killing Time. I'll say right from the start that she almost lost me with the subtitle. Time is so precious. The idea of killing it is a sacrilege. Henry David Thoreau wrote, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. But a book devoted to hanging out as a radical power? The concept so foreign, I could hardly wait to hear more. I drove to the library, took out the book, and began to reflect on the long-neglected art of hanging out. Hanging out as a spiritual practice. Hanging out as good for our souls. Hanging out is a loose social dynamic in which people spend unstructured time together with no set agenda. Did you need a reminder? Has it been a minute? Then you're not hanging out. The trick is to stop doing and just be. Buddhists say, don't just do something, sit there. The concept of hanging out covers a broad spectrum of activities, some of them accidental and improvisational, some of them rather structured. Regardless of the specific occasion, though, or the amount of planning that has gone into creating it, the objective is the same. It's about locking out time and dedicating it to interacting with other people, whoever they might be. Sheila Liming says, we live in a hyper-scheduled Guger calendar world where we make appointments with each other to get any FaceTime. In writing the book, I thought about how difficult it is to seize unstructured social time as an adult. There's a sense that if you hang out with someone, you're stealing time away from their calendar. It adds pressure to perform, to make it good. But I think that's a really damaging way to go about seeing our interactions. Hanging out, writes Sheila Liming, is about daring to do nothing much, and even more than that, about daring to do it in the company of others. After years of launching student ministers from Arlington Street, Cal Alford will be stepping up into that role in September as our next student. Many of you know about the final flaming hoop through which aspirants must leap before being cleared for ordination, the dreaded interview with the MFC, or Ministerial Formation Committee. An important part of their job is to see how prospective ministers fare under pressure. In my own meeting with the MFC, I can say, in the last century, the both famed and infamous Reverend Dr. Judith Walker Riggs of blessed memory reached across the vast conference table and demanded my daytimer, a thick, loose leaf hardcover equivalent of the Google calendar in the olden days. My daytimer was beautiful. I kept it really neat giving me, I suppose, the illusion of some control over my schedule, which at that time included graduate school, three part-time jobs, and a girlfriend with a drinking problem. Without a word, Judith took out a thick black marker and, like a toddler, began drawing wavy lines through a few random hours on each page. My heart sank. She was so messy but I knew better than to react. (laughs) How do you expect to serve as a minister with a schedule like this? She asked. It's wall to wall. There isn't one moment to breathe. When are you going to live your life? In the middle of the night? She tossed the daytimer back across the table. I opened it and stared hard at what she'd done. Apparently said, I'm going to live my life in all this mess. Judith roared. And I passed. Sheila Lyman gives this example of hanging out. She says, I work this Christmas tree sale every December that benefits a committee on temporary shelter here in Burlington, Vermont. People buy Christmas trees and we help them tie the trees to their car, but mostly it's 10 of us just drinking hot chocolate. Having something for us to do, to focus on together, Makes the interaction a little bit smoother. We talk about politics and culture. I learn things from these people and then I don't see them again for another year. Obviously, this crew is doing something good for the world. What makes it more than a virtuous activity, though, what makes it hanging out, is the focus on being together with something delicious to drink and good conversation. Instead of feeling like work, It's R&R. Sheila Lyman continues, I'm interested in what it means to forge connection, intimacy, and meaning in a world that feels increasingly hostile to all three. The conditions of our society have been forming for decades in response to an intricate combination of pressures. The expansion of digital technologies and our increasing reliance on them, the growth of the private sector and accompanying diminishment of the public sphere, policies and social practices that champion individualism and make social connections more difficult, and an ethos of do-it-yourself ruggedness that has taken the place of shared support structures. Ideally, when we're hanging out with strangers, we're actually talking about shoring up the foundations of a democratic society which hinges on our ability to care about each other, whether or not we actually know each other. One of the biggest hindrances to hanging out is rooted not just in the demands of work, but in that drive towards ceaseless productivity, even when work in a formal sense is not supposed to be part of the equation. An insistence on hanging out serves to enforce divisions between work and leisure. It marks the boundaries of a sanctuary space that exists at a remove from market driven competition. My friend, Mike Ward of blessed memory. Oh, wait, let me tell you this first. We'll get to Mike in a minute. I'm just going to ask you to imagine this. It's Saturday. And someone stops by unexpected. It's lunchtime. How do you feel? Is this an unwelcome incursion or a joy? Are you inconvenienced or delighted? Why? And what can we do to dismantle some of the pressures and obstacles that persist in making hanging out hard? Hanging out online, by the way, on Zoom, on the phone, or even texting, is hanging out. I, for one, am enchanted by my own suspension of disbelief in the Zoom room. We've seen how close we've all become. I would argue passionately that we've grown closer because we're on Zoom. But given what we've learned in the past three years, I'd hesitate about that being the only way that we hang out. It's good to mix it up. Okay, now let me tell you about Mike Ward. He always talked about accompanying his mother, Anna Mary, to visit with members of their parish after Sunday dinner. This was Nebraska in the 1950s. You sat on someone's plastic covered divan that's a couch, um, or at the linoleum plastic, co- I mean the linoleum table in their kitchen, or on the veranda, he called it a veranda, and maybe you drank some lemonade and ate something or not, and you just visited. This was one of Mike's fondest childhood memories, being one of seven kids and having his mother to himself. But more than that, he couldn't put his finger on it. Blessedly, he said he could not recall a single thing that was said. But Mike loved to visit. This is where the spiritual practice of hanging out is revealed. It's a little like meditation. Nothing's happening, and a lot is happening. Sheila Liming calls it the creative nature of indolence. Creativity, she writes, takes thought and thought takes time. Reclaiming time is both the essence of hanging out and its main ingredient. When we set aside time and space for hanging out, we assure our right to be nonproductive in the economic sense, and our right to produce differently by focusing on the work required for strengthening social ties. Sheila Liming tells the story of a very special kind of hanging out. One of those romantic encounters made both exquisite and tragic by the ways they're boundary. This one's about a guy named Emile. He was on vacation in the south of France, and as these things go, he ended up giving a ride to a young woman on a borrowed bicycle. Perched on the handlebars, her long blonde hair flew back into his face, tickling him and making him laugh. And there was a bottle of wine involved, sunset-colored more orange than red or pink, the best wine Emil had ever tasted. For years afterward, though he couldn't remember the name, he searched for that wine, longing to recapture that day. And then one day, in a little shop in Pittsburgh, he saw it. He recognized the color immediately. But when he tasted it, he realized that that magical day, hadn't been about the wine. It was never about the wine. Hanging out is about images and tastes, yes, but also sounds and smells and feelings. Hanging out romantically and otherwise is about stories. It's a process that sees old stories getting launched into recirculation at the same time that new ones. Are brought into being. In his novel, Testing the Current, William McPherson recalls his childhood in the late 1930s. In 1934, American writer Tess Schlesinger published The Unpossessed. In 1939, the English writer Henry Green published his novel Party-Going. And in 1940, Carson McCullers came out with The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. All four books offer snapshots of memorable parties during the Great Depression, or as it was known in England, the Great Slump. If we had imagined those years as a wasteland for conviviality, we were wrong. Sheila Liming speaks of parties not simply as a mean of distraction from the various hazards of reality, but also as a survival mechanism. A party gathers people together and grants them temporary shelter within the space of that pause. A party cannot solve the problems of the world, but it can be the spark that sets the fires of courage burning for those who must face those problems. I remember learning this lesson during the plague years, serving our congregation in Provincetown. The normally bustling fishing village, exuberant artist colony, and gay Mecca had gone preternaturally quiet. Each day brought more bad news. And then one Sunday morning, Preston Babbitt, chair of our board, proprietor of the Rosen Crown Guesthouse and founder of the Provincetown AIDS Support Group, stood up in his pew to speak. His lover, Rogers Baker, was dying. We cannot let AIDS take everything from us, he said. We are people who love a good party. We love to dance. We have to live before we die. Today, we're alive. Let's celebrate. And from then on, memorial service receptions concluded with the music cranked up, our shoes kicked off, and the parish hall becoming a dance floor. All the stories followed. At the close of her life, Audre Lorde, self-described Black, lesbian, feminist, socialist, mother, warrior, poet, wrote a poem called The Electric Slide Boogie. It is New Year's Eve. She's lying in bed, listening to the festivities, exhausted by treatments for breast cancer, in contrast with the exuberance on the other side of the wall from her bedroom. But she resists sleep, defiant to the end, How hard it is to sleep, she writes, in the middle of life. These were her final words in her final volume of poetry. How hard it is to sleep in the middle of life. I like to imagine her instructing us to cherish the time we have, to keep going, keep Hanging out, celebrating, and making memories, no matter what. At the close of her book, Sheila Liming lays out five brief rules, or maybe cues, to hanging out. First, she says, take time. Work to seize and redistribute the wealth that is time. And commit to the work of giving it all back to each other. This means taking the time to listen, to let others talk. It means taking the time to discover companionable qualities of stillness and silence. We must take time in order to understand what it means to have it, which is the first step to dreaming about what else we might do with it. Second, take risks. Remember that most of the risks we take when we meet someone new or chat with a stranger are pretty minimal and come at little cost to us. Third, take and make opportunities. Find the types of people and environments that are able, willing, and interested in playing host to spontaneity and improvisation. Fourth, take care. Care is a radical form of investment and risk. And fifth, take heart. Be generous and flexible. Take courage and cultivate faith in the future. Sheila Lyman concludes, sacred to the radical character of hanging out is the fact that anyone can do it so long as they have access to time and space. Put your phone face down on the table the way you do when you're talking to a friend who really needs your attention. Or better yet, toss it out the window. Take off your coat, pull up a chair, grab yourself a beverage, hang out for a bit. Beloved spiritual companions, especially in this summer's early mornings and late sunsets, may we seize the days, claim a sanctuary space for the creative nature of indolence, and hang out. Stop doing. Dare to just be. Just be in the company of others take time take risks take and make opportunities take care and take heart amen now for our benediction i invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste i bow to the divine in you, May the road rise to meet you, may the wind be always at your back, may the sun shine warm upon your face, the rain fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of their hand. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.